1: Mike Velarde show excited. Welcome for Mike Velarde. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, good Neil. How are you? Good, good, good. So let's just talk. What are the biggest things happening now? Like you know, you're hearing all the different things. Midterms are coming soon. They're very, very soon. Uh, Biden, the war. Let's go first of all. What's happened? The war. What's what's going to happen?
2: Well, let's look. The biggest things right now is today. Gas went to a new high. Okay. Oil went to a new high. No one's mentioning this, but, you know, diesel fuel is through the frickin roof. Farmers can't afford diesel fuel. Truckers can't afford diesel fuel. Now, why is this? One of the reasons is regulations. One of these regulations, they shut down a Texas refinery because of regulations. So Biden is shutting down the oil industry and causing prices to absolutely skyrocket. Oh, God. Okay. So we're going to see a massive food shortage in a couple of short months because of the decisions that this moron, our president has made. And they're just truly stupid. I mean, you, you can't, you can't, I mean, if you plan to do, to, to kill the country, this is what you'd be doing.
1: So that everyone says that, that they blame the Republicans for it.
2: Well, how, how can you blame the Republicans for this? Republicans are not in control of any part of government at all. Okay, it's a joke.
1: Unless unless you said male involved then COVID comes back.
2: Yeah, Well, that's that's the other thing that's going to happen because they have no chance to win unless unless all those dead people are resurrected and vote again.
1: All right. So that's what's happening. That means with these price raises, you're looking at food sources in a couple of months. What about the war with Ukraine?
2: Well, that's another thing for the war. They're they're taking the baby formula and they're, they're giving it to the to the immigrants that are crossing the border illegally. And our own babies are starving here in America. Wow. And they're, they're giving all this money to Ukraine and they're not helping the American farmer.
1: So why, so why is it they're giving the money to Ukraine? What's the purpose well,
2: of I, I mean, I purposely think that this president, I'm convinced and I could be wrong. He, this is an intentional way to take America down. This is the fall of a nation. That's what we're saying. We are $33 trillion in debt. We're giving our money away to foreign nations. We're letting our own people starve. Right. Causing our own issues by, by attacking the oil and gas, right? These climate, climate change people who are nuts, okay? Diesel fuel, $6 a gallon. Right. Gas is $5 a gallon.
1: Exactly.
2: They can't truck anything, any place. The farmers can't afford to to put fuel in their tractors to farm the land. Three, four months from now, by September, we're going to be starving. There's going to be nothing on the food shelves because the product, no one's going to be able to produce anything. Now, he's going to blame Putin. He's going to blame Trump. He's going to blame everybody. But the reality is this is all done by himself. Joe Biden has always been a lot.
1: So why is he, they're letting him make decisions? Why are the Democrats allowing him to make decisions unless they want to make decisions?
2: This is is part of the new world order plan. Take the United States down.
1: And then it becomes a new world order.
2: New world order. So if we're as low as
1: Europe, then basically there's there's the European United States would form with the European Union, and you'd have this new world order with the outside looking in Russia and China, right? This
2: is Bible prophecy coming to pass. Uh, last night I went to the movie, the Harbinger guy that wrote the book was a rabbi and became a Christian. And, you know, it comes down to this, you see the parallels between the United States and America, right? Cause both nations were set up based on biblical principles, serving the Lord. If we don't pray, if we don't turn from our wicked ways, we've killed 60 million babies through abortion. Look what they're doing with this abortion issues. You know, they leak a memo, first time ever. Then they're outside picketing Judge Roberts, all these judges, trying to get them to change their decisions. This has never happened before. So when's the decision happening? Does it happen? Well, no, it was, it was a memo that was leaked. I mean, they were going to come out with it, I guess, in September or October, but I don't know what they're going to do now.
1: Wow. So, okay, what about uh, the midterms? What are the thing? What are the prognostication of the Republicans taking the House and Senate?
2: Well, they're they're pretty big. I mean, the, the midterms, I mean, nobody, even 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 liberal Democrats, I mean, don't like being impoverished, which is what's happening to them. I mean, that's what's happened. You've impoverished millions of people. Right. Biden, so, because, I mean, you got a 40 year high in inflation. 40 year so high. If
1: you, so the Republicans take the House and Senate. Yeah. What's the next step? Are they going to go after Biden? Or are they going to go back to the election?
2: Well, the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to impeach Biden. That's the first thing that's going to happen. They have more than enough evidence and they realize that because um, the book, the, the laptop that Hunter Biden left is now a book. All the emails are there. All the communications between Joe Biden and his son is there. It proves he was involved in these back in these dealings. Everything he said, Biden said, was a lie.
1: Will Biden go to jail?
2: Well, he'll never go to jail because he's going to pardon himself on the way out, and he and he's so old they're not going to prosecute him. I mean, he. he so he's Harris president.
1: becomes president of the United States then. Hmm. Harris becomes president of the United States. Then. No
2: no because i also think that there's enough evidence to show that the fraud in the election and they they could decertify in five states let let me explain what happened um last week on monday i went to this movie that showed mark zuckerberg put 400 million dollars of his personal money into this election what did that go to well they set it up you know under the guise of you know uh, voter turnout getting voter turnout 97% of the money went to Democrats, 3% to Republicans. The only reason 3% went to Republicans was to make it look like they were trying to be fair. Okay. In all the cities like Philadelphia and whatnot, that, that D'Souza, that Souza film, the 2000 mules, they're running them from a democratic, you know, like the DNC headquarters and running these ballots to to uh, ballot boxes, stuffing them, going back more ballots, stuffing them again, going back. They got the people because they got them with their cell phones. They got the cell phone pings. They got them back and forth. They got when they went, how many times they went, how many. So the evidence is becoming overwhelming on what they did and how they did Trump it. Trump be
1: brought back into audience in 2022.
2: Well, it's, he should be. I mean, if if there was any kind of fairness and honesty, the proof is overwhelming. I mean, think about it. What are the odds of 90% of the people that mail-in ballots are going to vote for one candidate?
1: Not very good.
2: In Pennsylvania, 242,000 ballots were all for Biden with no down ballot. Just Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, 242,000. Trump was ahead by almost 700,000 votes on election night. Because you
1: saw the different places that they went to vote, and you had, you know, even in Democratic cities, Trump was close. There's no way it would be 100%.
2: No way. It's impossible. So So they know why is it many Republicans
1: not talking about election fraud?
2: Because, you know, because we haven't been able to make it through the courts. We've been stopped at the court level. What, nobody wants to bring it up. They're afraid of Black Lives Matter and all these groups, Antifa, that are going to come out and protest and whatnot. And, and the only way you handle that is you take them down. You arrest them all. And it stops all the nonsense. But you have to have a heavy hand. And the news media, of course, is going to make it look like, all oh, these poor people, they're peaceful protesters. Well, the only they're way is the
1: to Republicans go. take office, House and Senate. Then you have control of the House and Senate. And you impeach Biden and you bring Trump and then you make all the changes back. I mean, then you have all that and you impeach Biden and Harris, then that's the only way of doing it. Then the election fraud comes out and then all this stuff. Wow.
2: This country has to go back to God.
1: But But your book said it wasn't going to.
2: Well, wait a minute. That's not true. I mean, what you have is you have the rapture coming. Okay. In a few years, but you know what? It depends on the people praying. God's people praying and humbling themselves and getting their lives right. You know, what I noticed when I ran, and this is why we've, we've gotten to this position, the church never wanted to stand up for what's right. They wouldn't back somebody like myself. They didn't want to get, they were afraid of the Johnson Amendment. They didn't want to lose their 501c3, which they, they couldn't lose anyway, because it, it, it it's just, it's an executive order. It's not, it's not law, you know? So they need to wake up. And we need, we need to wake up as a country and realize, hey, we're either gonna lose this country to, the, to these left-wing godless radicals, okay? And you see their policies, how they're so destructive. I mean, when you got diesel fuel prices that are so high that you, the farmers can't farm, the truckers can't truck and move stuff, we're, commun- we're gonna be like a communist nation. We're not gonna have, any, we're not gonna have anything on the shelves.
1: So when's the food shortage? When when, when, when do the food shortages start?
2: Next couple of months,
1: which grocery store? Where do you see it happening? No,
2: here's where it's going to happen. The farmers can't farm the land. They can't afford the diesel fuel to farm to have the tractors farm the land fertilizers through the roof. They can't fertilize the crops, but you can't fertilize the crops and you can't farm the land. It's over. Right. And Biden created that situation while his policy refusing to drill and reversing all Trump's policies on, on, on gas and oil. And then, and then these ridiculous regulations that are shutting down these, um, you know, the, the, these, uh, what do you call it? The, the refineries. Right. Come on.
1: It's crazy crap for sure. Okay. You, can, okay. you can
2: see the trains coming and who does, does Biden take responsibility? You're going to find out. So so,
1: so basically, this is what's going to happen. You don't think that this is going to be the end. The rapture is coming. So Jesus is coming in a couple of years.
2: He's coming in a couple of years. But I think that if God's people pray, and we have a revival, and we need a revival in this country, we need to bring righteousness back to our government, right? Look, look, look at these government agencies. They promote people and put people in place. Why? Because of their gender or their race. You don't put competence, that's not competency. Look, look at how Joe Biden picked a Supreme Court justice. I want a black woman. Not I want the most qualified person for the job. I want a black woman. Does that make any sense?
1: This is again, is she as qualified as everyone else?
2: She couldn't define what a woman was when she was asked what a woman is at the hearings.
1: Oh, wow. All right, so Mike, best place we can go is Books dot com, dot com, and and everyone needs to because the IRS is coming right after everyone that owes. They,
2: they are coming.
1: And then last but not least, MikeBellardiShow dot Appreciate it, Mike. We uh, we always appreciate the time. Okay.
2: All right. Thanks, the
1: that was Michael already show guys. Take care. We're back here to the Neil Haley show in a special segment. I'm with world doc Allen, and we're going to talk about safe pregnancy, some of the things during pregnancy on different segments on the show. And then there'll also be a podcast for world doc Allen. Lindeman, how are you, sir? And thanks for stopping by.
3: Thank you very much. I'm doing fine. And I hope you're doing the same.
1: Absolutely. So tell me why you call yourself world doc Allen.
3: Well, in the first place, I have some choice here. Um, In other words, if I were in a bigger institution, there'd be more corporate medicine. Here, I have a little bit more choice about how I treat my patients. The other thing about rural doc is that patients here can fall through the, the system and not be recognized. Uh, for example, I had a man who came in to see me with a heart murmur. He'd been going to see his doctors in a larger town next to us, uh, and he was complaining of being very tired and weak. Uh, he had a heart murmur. I thought, well, you know, your doctors in this bigger town haven't done anything with you. We'll just send you to mail. So we did, and as a matter of fact, he stopped by a couple of days ago, Um, just to talk about how he's feeling and he's feeling better, of course. So picking up the pieces is um, actually kind of a fun thing to do because people are so thankful for it.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So tell me about safe pregnancy versus maternal mortality.
3: Well, uh, you know, my main goal was the maternal mortality rate of 19 per 100,000. When I was in medical school, rate was about nine per 100,000. So we've been going in the wrong direction. And if you look at who has the highest mortality, it's based on color. Um, People of color have a higher maternal mortality. For example, it's about 47 per 100,000. Uh, Versus Caucasian is closer to 10 per 100,000. So that's a problem. It's a a disparity. Uh, And why? Why do we have this? The problem is access. And the real problem with access is money who's going to pay for it? So If we're going to think about reducing the maternal mortality rate, we have to look at some of the problems. Uh, In the first place, we have um, healthcare insurance, which is expensive and which dictates care, um, sometimes in the wrong direction. For example, in pregnancy, you're limited uh, to the amount of visits that the insurance will pay for. And this is a real serious problem because it's preventable or avoidable. Another problem is uh, the other insurance, uh, medical uh, liability insurance. They also dictate uh, care. For example, uh, years ago when I started my first practice, I could do VBACs. And now um, I can't because of insurance. So... Uh, there's a lot of interference with medical care.
1: So tell me a little bit about hypertension in pregnancy.
3: Well, um, there seems to be a difference between, again, um, skin color. Um, Women, black women have generally higher uh, blood pressure than um, Caucasian white women. And they are also likely to get less prenatal care. Uh, So again, when I had my own practice, I would see my patients as often as necessary, regardless of whether I got paid for it or not. And that's one of the reasons I was in private practice because I didn't want somebody telling me, I can't see this patient. So there's a lot to be uh, said about avoiding trouble from hypertension. Um, I don't know whether you've read this article. It's um, NPR. It's about a patient called Lauren, 34-year-old nurse uh, in the uh, neonatal intensive care unit. Came in in labor at term, and she died um, five hours after she delivered. And now they say her pressure was all normal. I really doubt it. In my experience, if I began to see a patient whose pressure started rising, even just for a few minutes, um, I could talk with them about what they needed to do to avoid trouble. And also I could order the appropriate tests.
1: That's all great information. You have tons of resources available on your website. Isn't that right, doctor?
3: Yes, yeah.
1: What is your website? people can go to?
3: Um, it's rural.allen.com.
1: Awesome. And each week, we're going to be answering three questions. We're going to see them out there on social media and everything. And we appreciate you coming by. It was great information.
3: Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it.
1: All right. You're listening. and watching the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show. And I'm really excited about this guest. An inspiring story. Carlin Maddox is going to talk to us about Alzheimer's and some of the story. How are you today, sir? Thanks for stopping by.
4: I'm sorry. Thanks for stopping by. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right.
4: I'm doing fine. Thank you. Misunderstood you. Okay, no yeah.
1: worries. Let's talk about the backstory on yourself first of all. You and your wife, Martha. Yeah,
4: Neil. Um, um, my wife was uh, heavy into politics. Uh, we're we live in Saint Petersburg, Florida, and uh, she was heavy into politics and civic affairs. High energy person. Uh, I had a an entrepreneurial business magazine in this market, uh, and so that consumed a lot of my energy as well. the um, the, the It was in, in September of 1997 when Martha was 50 years old that she was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's awesome. and that's that's a young, young age. Um, I was 52 and we, our three children were still in high school and college. Oh my God. And uh, it's, I don't think I had even heard of Alzheimer's at that stage. If I had, no. I hadn't paid any attention to it. And, and um, so when we got the diagnosis, our world didn't turn upside down. It just imploded before us. I mean, we were just completely lost we felt like we'd been thrown out of a, a plane 10,000 feet up and just had nothing to hold on to, but ourselves. Um, and, and so it's obviously a, a very, very disturbing kind of event in our lives and most disturbing event we've ever had. I ever hoped to have. And, um, so, yeah, and one of the things I've, a lot of people have asked me, said, well, did you see any signs of this before you got the diagnosis? And um, Martha, uh, I, I, I thought about it, and she, had, she was running, a year before the diagnosis, she was running for an open seat in the Florida State Legislature. She had been on the St. Petersburg City Council back in the 1980s. And um, and she, she was uh, making a presentation to a group called the Tiger Bay Club, Suncoast Tiger Bay Club. That was the most important event that she was attending. Uh, she, along with three other candidates. And I'd seen Martha in these kinds of events before, and she handled them very calmly, coolly, being able to answer the questions and the like. And uh, this day, she had to ask for every question to be repeated. Oh my this, God. Was about a, this was about a year before her diagnosis. How old was she? old again?
1: Um, again. Was she, I'm sorry? When her diagnosis, how old was she? 50. Oh, my God. Yeah. How many people were out there that are diagnosed that young? Alzheimer's. Uh, the, the Alzheimer's Association
4: uh, um, indicates about 6 million in the U.S.
1: Oh, my God.
4: Uh, they... Um, they think they are probably a lot more, but they haven't been diagnosed. Um, and when you start counting the caregivers who are taking care of their loved ones, unpaid caregivers, another 11 million people are being affected by this. And
1: oh my God! So this uh, is just such a terrible thing. And that is how's she doing now? If she's diagnosed with 50. Oh uh, well,
4: this went on uh we lived with us for 17 years. Martha died in
5: 2014.
4: Oh, my God. Um, her last uh, six years were, were in a nursing home. And uh, at that point, she was not able to walk, not able to talk, oh not God. able to take care of herself, and, and just had to have just 24-7 care.
1: I'm so sorry to um, hear that. So what is your yeah. goal of going out and doing this and talking about your your wife and what's happened well i mean
4: there's there's a lot of people who i'm finding a lot of people either directly or indirectly are being affected here and um and it's well cancer is a is obviously a tragic kind of a disease uh but this is the uh, this disease so far is one that they have not found any cure for any kind of uh um uh, way to get back uh, to where they were. They it's may cruel. be able to yeah. delay the symptoms but have not been able, been able to find a cure for it. Oh, it's, just, it's a very tough situation for a lot of people.
1: And I never knew it that young and those signs and those signs we have to look out for and uh, you know you, they don't talk about it. You think of someone their 65, 70 or older to do this and man, what you went through and you're a caregiver yeah. as I'm sure you've been on uh, my client's show, caregiver, Dave Nassani's caregiving show. I'm sure you've been a guest on his. If you've not, I definitely will connect you. He's a good friend of mine and he's my client. And uh, he, he's, he's, whole thing is caregiving, but what you did as a caregiver, you should be commended and to, to educate people like you are is fantastic. Where is the best place people can find info on you?
4: Well, the, um, I was fortunate to be able to uh, ultimately hire some caregivers to come in during the day while I, while I was continuing to run my magazine. Uh, then I would, I would be Martha's
1: caregiver the rest of the night and into the morning. Oh my right. God. Well, I was definitely asking you that. I said, where can people check you out? Where's the information that you can get on what you're doing? Well, the, they they're,
4: today there are a lot of good caregiver guidebooks that you can go like to Amazon. Or, okay. But also the um, Alzheimer's association. Okay. Uh, they are doing a much better job today of providing information as well as providing support groups uh, in and most community in many communities. Uh, I, I, when Martha was diagnosed, I couldn't find a support
1: group. Do you have a do you have a do you have a website that people can find information on you as well, Carlin? Say again? Do you have a website?
4: Yeah, I've I've been posting a blog since 19, 19 since uh, 2015. And um uh and so you go to ww.carlinmattox. At maddox.com, C A R L E N, at Carlin Maddox, M A D D U X. A lot of people misspell my name, so I'm spelling it for you. And you go and go to my blog, and it goes back to 2015. And I share our experiences. I've interviewed a number of people who are going through the same thing. And just, um, I've interviewed, um, several neurologists uh, in terms of uh, their take on this and how they deal with it. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's one source that you can get to. Um, I've written a book about this uh, that I call a path revealed, how hope, love, and joy found us deep in a maze called Alzheimer's. It can be found on uh, Amazon. Great. Um, and and it um, it just, just go through our experience. It's it's not a it's not a guidebook. Uh, it's it just shares our odyssey that we went through, um, and the, just the volatility of what we had to go through, um, and and some of the tough things and some of the good things. Uh, uh, you you see this picture behind me, Neil the. Um, Two years into Martha's diagnosis, after her diagnosis, uh, our sister-in-law invited Martha to join her in a watercolor painting class, and she never had done that before. I'd never done it. She's always been an outdoors girl, tennis and whatever, jogging and the like. Um, um, but she really got into it, and this is one of her paintings. There's another painting that I call her self-portrait that is my favorite. Uh, and just that really restored her confidence. That's a great it restored my confidence, and just
1: that was really important yeah. to find that kind of an outlet. Well, you're doing such tremendous work, sir, and I appreciate you coming back, home. Okay. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and my guest today is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, he's author Nate Burt, and he wrote a book called Frozen, but not forgotten, directly for me. So how are you, uh, Frozen But Not Forgotten? I appreciate it. Nate, thanks for stopping by, man. Yeah, Neil, thanks
6: so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation.
1: Exactly. So let's kind of go into specifically why you wrote
6: the book. Yeah, so um, Frozen But Not Forgotten is really a how-to guide for parents or for those who are simply interested in this topic of frozen human embryos. And a lot of people don't realize that many, many couples across uh, America face infertility and undergo what's called in in vitro fertilization. And as part of that process, one of the the blessings or the gifts they have is, is many couples are able to conceive a child when they otherwise wouldn't be able to. However, there are often remaining embryos and there are about a million frozen embryos in storage in the United States alone. And those are very viable babies in many cases. And for couples who go through IVF and are unsure what to do with those remaining embryos, they can do one of several things. They can uh, donate them to research. They can have them discarded. They can place them in frozen um, storage in perpetuity, or they can decide to place those for adoption. And so my wife and I adopted frozen embryos, and now we have our four-year-old daughter, Phoebe, as a result of that process. And so it's a really timely conversation as a lot of people are thinking about uh, the national dialogue, some recent conversations about the Supreme Court, Roe v. Wade. Um, This is really another another topic that uh, involves sort of um, life and the opportunity to really build a family in a way that's very unfamiliar to many people. So is that
1: uh, less money to be able to do that because they're available? Those frozen so- under-
6: yeah, great question. So typically, frozen embryo adoption is less expensive than a traditional domestic adoption and certainly less expensive than an uh, international adoption. That being said, it's not for everyone, right? So some um, uh, the, a, a woman or a mom has to be in, in the right health. So certainly, you want to get advice from your doctor before pursuing something like embryo adoption. Uh, our adoption, I think it ranged between $15,000 and $20,000. So it's still, uh, it still is a cost. But for our family, we felt that it was completely worth it.
1: Wow. And so what's the reason for writing the book? Just to really tell the story?
6: You bet. Really to tell the story, you know, for families that either have been through IVF and are not sure what to do with their embryos, for couples who are looking to build their family, and really for those who are simply curious, you know, Frozen But Not Forgotten is the book that really guides people through that process. And it's really designed to simply get the word out simply because there's not a lot of publicity or information readily available in the public domain. So what So
1: the ultimate goal for you? Is, is it just the book or you want to create a movement?
6: You know, I, I think um, the movement started long before my family and I got underway really back in the early 1990s is when frozen embryo adoption first began. I think we really do want to contribute to the movement. I think we want people to be aware that frozen embryo adoption is an option. I think we want more families who are struggling to conceive to have this as an option. And frankly, for families like mine that have been able to conceive um, in the, in the natural way, I think there are opportunities for us too to give these embryos a chance at life because ultimately uh, our perspective is that this is human life. These are babies that have the opportunity to grow up and to contribute to our world. And so frozen, but not forgotten is really a book designed to, to foster and spur that movement forward. That's fantastic.
1: It's great information for sure. And the ultimate goal and you're out there and what's the feed, been the feedback of your book so far, you getting a lot of, people you know, the feedback.
6: Yeah. Thanks for the question, Neil. The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. I think a lot of people were looking for a resource like this. This is really the book I wish that I had had as my wife and I were going through this process of frozen embryo adoption. And so I think, um, you know, this is really an opportunity to uh, to give back in that way. And I hope more people are able to be blessed as a result of it. All right. Best place we can find information on purchase the book. Where can we go? You bet. Anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can also go to frozenbutnotforgotten.com. Again, frozenbutnotforgotten.com, and you can pick up a copy of the book there as well.
1: Thanks, Nate. Appreciate you. Thanks, Neil, so much. Take care. You're, you're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. We're back to The Neil Haley Show, and my guest today is bringing it back. Maybe I need to run away. My guest today is David Chemetsky. Dave, thanks for stopping by, and I love bring a back, and you're also about peace. And when I've seen your, you speak, you really motivate people. And thanks for stopping by.
7: Yeah, no, no, exactly. And the bat, I just want to really understand, it's about bringing awesome thoughts. It's not about, even though I come from New York, we're not going to hit the bat. We're not going to hit anybody you, you, you with bat, Maybe I, you have I,
1: to if you get on a subway now, bro.
7: Nah, man. It's, it's all good, man. Just, just take your time. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. And today I'm supposed to be right here. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: You're welcome. And so let's talk about why you're doing all this. You're just you're really helping people charitably. You're really, you really have the heart of gold. Explain some of the stuff you do.
7: Yeah. So I'm a speaker. I'm an author and you know, a philanthropist. So I love giving back. And that's one of the biggest things uh, I, I love doing. So I have this organization I'm building up called Goons for Good. Uh, again, playing off that New York uh, attitude a little bit. Uh, we all know somebody. So it doesn't matter if you're in New York or not. And we can always help somebody. Uh, I learned that from when I was talking to Frank Shankowitz, who is the guy who created the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He says everybody could do something. And that's where I've been doing it. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the Peace, Love and Bring a Bad is my podcast. I, it's part of my passion story. Uh, it's not only my story, it's to hear everybody's story. We all have a story within ourselves, and a story about motivation, a story about inspiration. And then there's always a little perspiration, because if we don't do the work, it doesn't matter about talking about that spirituality or motivation.
1: So tell me about specifically enough, you're speaking, how you motivate people, especially going through a hard time. man. Because that hard time is just a, oh, man, when things go wrong, they go wrong big time. How do you keep that you know, motivation and keep going through those hard times.
7: Well, uh, one of the things I talk about is actually some of my fault, my, 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 my faults uh, that I, at times I couldn't handle it. Right. Sometimes that weight of the world, as you were just talking to me about gets too heavy, no matter what we do, everything seems to be going wrong. You know, you're hitting every red light, you're, hit, you're doing whatever you're doing and you need to figure out the best way to get through that and manage the weight of the world. Uh, I, 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 I knew all the tricks of the trade uh, of how to help people through anxiety. And I, I did. Uh, But then sometimes things get too tough for us. And that's where I also broke down and I call them Phoenix moments in our lives. We somehow get to those ashes and you're like, how did I get here? And what do I do next? Some people choose to lie in the ashes and that's okay, but I want to always rise from the ashes. In fact, uh, I don't know when this is going to be record, you know, uh, released, but today is May 11th, and that's my personal Phoenix Day. And what I mean by that is the first time in my life was uh, 17 years ago, thinking I was going through divorce and a whole bunch of other things. I had two girls, uh, three and one at that time. Oh my. And, you know, at that time, I couldn't breathe. It hurt so oh my bad. God. But I heard the the poem by Maya Angelou. Uh, still I rise. And I kept on hearing, still I rise, still I rise. And I pictured the the magical uh, phoenix. And if anybody doesn't know about the phoenix, the phoenix doesn't die. The phoenix actually keeps being reborn out of its own ashes. But it, it does that because there's a spark of God. And that's what I love talking about is that mental wellness that we all need to go through no matter what we've experienced in life. How do you go through those things? And I don't mind sharing my failures because it's always been turned into a lesson it's a lesson in everything that we go through.
1: Dave, that's so true. It's a lesson in everything we go through. And we all hit our hard times. And How do we persevere? And what you do in your motivational speaking is tell them and help them about mental health awareness. Because mental health is a big thing that we could help others or we are going through things and how we help our people that we know are going through this or people listening right now or watching right now that know they're going through a hard time right now, man. How you're you really are trying to battle mental health. Awareness, right? That really help people that are going and struggling to motivate them and also look at how they can get help.
7: Yeah, yeah, I almost lost the battle. I mean, let's, I'll be really honest. I don't mind talking about it. I I mentioned it on my TEDx talk about that everybody has a phoenix within ourselves, but it really is. Even if you've had a moment with a partner, the kids, your, your work environment where you get frustrated, it's a mental health peace. It doesn't mean that you've gone over the edge and there's no edge. That's what we have to also talk about, the removal of stigmas. Just by saying, I acknowledge the challenges I faced and I might not have responded to them right at the beginning, doesn't mean that I can't always learn the right resources for me. And that's why we need to talk about it. I'm glad some of our sport sport heroes are are talking about it more. And as a society, we need to shift it a little bit better in talking about it.
1: Well, mental health—our mental health issues—are one of the biggest things that, you know, divide our country in certain aspects. But also, really, are things we don't think of it. You know, someone breaks their ankle, we 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 don't know how to fix it. If someone has COVID, we can treat it. If somebody has cancer, there's ways of treating it. But there's nothing to treat except, oh, we're going to give you a pill or we're going to commit you. We're not going to really look at the underlying causes that caused it from the beginning. And that could be different things. And we don't look at people when they're down and sad or in different ways to really help them so that when it kind of all builds up, it's too damn late instead of figuring out how we can be aware of people, what they're going through earlier, not make it a stigma say, it's okay to see a therapist. It's okay for, to go and find the right medication or different things. You're not considered broken. And what we in our society today think mental health issues means we're broken. When it's not, we are just going through something and we need that help.
7: You have to learn the resources. I mean, that, that's the, the, the challenges. So I, I knew the resources, but I wasn't using them. So I, I know I'm sure a lot of people in your audience have gym memberships. How many people are using those gym memberships? I, I just use that as a, as a joke. That's true. Um, just because if we know our resources, but you're not using them, like I was, I'm guilty of that previously. I had never, you know, I knew all the things I was helping people. I was a coach. I was a mentor. I knew how to help people through stress reduction. I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing it actively for myself, and now I put myself first, in, and that is not being selfish because if I could help somebody, much like on that airplane, when they tell us to put your air mask on first before you help other people, it's not to be a hero. It's actually because you'll, you'll pass out. Most people don't realize that. They think, oh, of course I have to help myself first. No, it's because you'll pass out, and then you can't help anybody. So I wasn't good for anybody because I wasn't taking care of myself, and now I've learned I had to take care of myself first because then I could do it a lot better. You know, no matter what you're carrying, you can carry it less.
1: The stigma is the problem that if we are going through something, the stigma keeps us from not finding somebody to talk to.
7: Yeah, it's that fear. Uh, And and one of the statistics I want to talk to your audience is about suicide. 11% of people who attempt suicide are successful. That means there's 89% of people who are unsuccessful who are still either managing the challenges and then a failure of not trying to hurt yourself. And I was I'm in that 89%. But a lot of people then hide even further from it. And that's where I would always go back to that point that people don't want to talk about it. But I was told during my attempt then I need to go talk about it. And that's why I do talk about it because if we can help one person else to and help that family and that butterfly effect, it makes it all worthwhile.
1: Where can people find information? Where can they go?
7: Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of different places. One, they can reach out to me. And I've always... So after my TEDx talk, I had nine families reach out to me. One person who really needed some professional assistance. I'm not a therapist. I know my lane. So I only stay in my lane. I got them... Uh, to a therapist in their area and they were able to see, he- seek help. Sometimes you just need to figure out what resources. You need to sit down with somebody that you feel safe to do. And when you do that, have that safe zone, you can figure out. There's a lot of resources. And if you need a therapist, it's okay. You know, think about when you go to a, a gym, we'll go back to that gym. How many people like to use a personal trainer? So why wouldn't you use a personal trainer to strengthen your, your mind and find the resources that you need? It really works. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, we, we they always rush to medicine. You can, but there's a lot of different ways. And I, I've learned a lot of different techniques how to help people That's manage great. it differently.
1: You have a tremendous message. Where can people find information? You have a website?
7: I do have a website. It's uh, davidchimetsky.com. Or the easiest way is onthepath, dot ycom which is, stands for on the path. And path stands for personal attitudes towards happiness. It's one of my things that we talk about. What do we want to do? It's not only about the mental health. It's all about managing things. And, you know, I talk about uh, I I used to be a a trainer, how to identify counterfeit uh, goods. So we also need to make sure we live our most authentic self. Whoever you are, you're the best you you could be. And And by learning that, that's what it's all about is being comfortable that's why i wear my green suit you see i have a great green shirt i literally have a green suit that that matches and you're living, everybody laughs you're about it in the
1: brand every day and you're truly yeah. making a difference as you made a difference your ted talk to you make a difference to your podcast and all that And we appreciate you coming by
7: i appreciate it thanks so much
1: you're listening and watching the neil haley show and we'll be back in just a moment we're back to the neil haley show and something that i don't always say and when he would come on uh club pod with me and clubhouse when I had the best club pod room in the world. Bottom line drew a hundred people live for six hours and was not doing where I had people just posting up. We really provided value. He came on and because he is radio and he's podcasting Eric Gorenson, veteran broadcaster. How are you, Eric? What's going on, man? Good brother. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. So let's talk about your experience. It's radio and podcasting. So you started in radio, right?
5: It's funny. I started doing radio TV production in high school. And then in my high school years, I was doing afternoon drive time at a country station. My senior year in high school got into designing and construction and then 25 years later, combined the two together and, uh, am now doing home improvement radio and podcasting,
1: but the radio, so it's on radio as well than podcasting. So you have yeah, that. I'm syndic- hybrid, yeah. Right?
5: yeah. I'm syndicated through uh, talk media network and, uh, They carry my show nationally, and we're on about forty-five stations across the U.S. and growing right now.
1: And your co-host I had on my show before too.
5: Yeah, Carolyn Bozowski, America's healthy home expert.
1: Yeah, so so that so you guys are on. So that must have been an opportunity. Is that the first radio deal you had syndication or not?
5: No, that's my third deal we had. We bounced around between a few people that uh, you know I thought were great in the talk space, and uh, it just you know, we didn't grow and they didn't have the staff to go out and make it grow. So once I got over to talk media networks, we just started instantly growing and we've got the right perfect team put together right now.
1: So did you think about when you talk about specifically enough, uh, you doing this, it's because you niche down with home improvement, right? It was needed. And you have a great radio voice for sure.
5: Thanks, man. Yeah. And you know, and, and no shade thrown upon on the other radio hosts out there, but a lot of them are kind of that, 70 year old handyman and the younger audience had a hard time relating to grandpa talking about home improvement stuff. So I thought, you know, there's so many millennials and younger people out there that didn't get shop class in high school that don't know what to do around their home. And let's, let's niche down into that and, and reach those people and see if we can give them a hand.
1: Yeah. And that's what I did now where I'm niching down my business to creating tribes and communities and that's it. Everything else I can do, I've done marketing and everything and I've just said, that's it. I'm going to just focus on building tribes and communities for clients. And that's where I'm, I'm at now. And also doing the radio and television. It's always fun. And the celebrities, as you saw, number, I'm the number 12 celebrity podcast, the World Recording Defeat Spot, uh, ranked higher than Shaq and Snooky's podcast. And, you know, I always have major celebrities on. Last week, you know, um, it, just, it just always just keeps going and going from having Sean Young on my show, also to Ralph Sampson, the legendary NBA player played for the Eastern Rockets. So that's every week for me. That's pretty cool. I, I'm waiting. I might have to talk to you about this whole talk media thing and say, why don't I, why am I not on one of those big deals? If I'm one of the best celebrity podcasters in the world, if I can get all these celebrities, because imagine right. my wish list of people I can talk to. And what I do just like you is have a conversation with people. It's entertaining. Yeah. We entertain people, right? Exactly. Yeah. Home
5: improvement, just talking about, Screwing two pieces of wood together can be really boring if you're not having some fun doing it. If you're well, not I, fun I, I, doing I, have, I
1: have no handyman skills at all, brother. <laughs> so I need to be ch- checking that out, man. You know, I mean, I, like I said, I'm on syndicated radio, but I'm always looking expansion. It's always about expansion. It's always about growing. You never know when the chances and opportunities come. And go figure. It's le- for sure. You know, well, I have to
5: give the early days of Clubhouse the props for me changing networks because it was John Wiley out there. John J. Wiley that said, "Eric, you should talk to my people." And sure enough, uh, he's the one that got me into uh, Talk Media Network. So I, I got to give those early days of the good old days props because I probably wouldn't have yeah, that. We relationship probably would out. never met.
1: No, John, if it wasn't for me. Yeah, exactly. Do you know that because yeah, I no, brought John to Club Pod. That's the whole thing right here. That's I brought John oh. to Club Pod. That's so exactly. hilarious. And he keeps saying that they you need to have specifically you can't do it on Zoom. And right now my sound I can care less. I'm just you know I'm just rolling, brother. That's all it is. Yeah. But I can set that up again. I definitely am looking at the next level syndication. And so I go go to you because this is the thing. That's what I did in Club, Clubhouse. And this mm-hmm. is going to be my Clubhouse, <sighs> telling people why we were on Clubhouse. Experts like you and I. Yeah. So to be an expert, not to sell to them not to frigging put them in a funnel to give them expertise information that not many people can give. I've done over 8,000 plus interviews in my career. You have, you're a nationally syndicated radio host. I'm a nationally syndicated radio host. We have done so many different shows. We understand production. We understand all that. And yet you had other people when they asked them those questions, they literally said, Oh, go to my link. Well, that's no, No. that's what clubhouse. And that's why clubhouse is just, I, I don't go back and I don't know if I will go back. And it's because it used to be a forum for experts to talk. Not anyone talks and they're not providing value. It's just, you know,
5: it's a bunch of people that, and, and there's some good nuggets in there still. Oh, I'm sure. sure. Good.
1: And, and I'm sure and I, would, I would say hello, but I,
5: yeah, I don't want to put a blanket across all of them. Right. But I say, there's so many times you get in there and I just get disgusted because I'm like, okay, we have a bunch of non-experts pitching that they're an expert. And uh, go over to my place and I'll charge you for advice that didn't work for me. (laughs)
1: but see that's life and that's what happens that's the next thing in in, in internet marketing and i've had these experiences i mean clubhouse was amazing but it it was again the thing is entertainment is an addiction and when you get to be on the top stage like i was running that club pod room every saturday for four or five hours and having 100 people and they come on stage it's, it's 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 the best thing in the world and i'm so glad for john because again john how we connected, I forget. It was completely, but he brought him right over to. He was going to the morning rooms where I did this one other deal. It was yeah, like I was in there
5: too. And so so I
1: yeah. and and I was running that, and then see oh now they'll get this link and say I'll get more heat. That's why I'll have to just say you know what I'll just chill out and I'll stay just interviewing people all the time, right? Yeah. And that's what, it is, what it is
5: Yeah, you just you know sometimes it's good to stay in your lane and 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 do what you do best and you know dial it back and and just. You know, keep doing what you're doing because, like for instance, you you're out there just crushing it, brother. And you've got the right people, you got things going. So at some point, you have to sit there and just go, "Man, you know, I can help other people out, but I got a show to do."
1: Right, exactly, and I help people in another way. I, I was always yeah. trying to be everything and everything, and this is with us. But we, uh, the lesson learned from Clubhouse is this: it made us both better. Because honestly, going in a live form and ask, answering questions about podcasting, radio, television, it was a great experience. It made me a better speaker. And I recommend anyone going on there, if they can run their own room and grow their own room and practice the art of speaking, because if you can speak well, like you can, and I can't, we'll always make a living because there's not a lot of speakers out there that can entertain. No question. And, and, and so as Gary V says, you got to entertain, empower, and educate people. And if you're not doing either of those three things, you're not doing anything right. And that's it. And so I love the education portion. On Clubhouse, I love to entertain when I would joke around with people on Clubhouse about their week or different things and, and, and empower to really say you can do this. There's no giving up. You don't you, you can do it. And for you, what's next for you? You're doing this podcast, the radio show and podcast. Where do you see this going? You already are syndicated. Are you looking for a next level to where you are right now? Do you think the next deal is up? You had this one, and the next one's coming.
5: Now this, uh, I'll be as far as I see, I'll be with Talk Media Network for a while. Those guys are are doing everything right for me. So not to sound like a commercial for those guys, but uh, I'm very happy with the way that's going. So I can't say that next is going to be just growing the show, getting us bigger, you know, enlarge that audience, and then uh, going to dive back into TV some more
1: too. So the television. So you had a TV show before.
5: I was doing local TV here for uh, our local Meredith-owned channel back in the day, which was uh, Fox 12 here. So I was doing in Portland, where I'm located, Oregon. I was doing uh, a weekly DIY segment on there that was four or five minutes, and I was doing that. And I, to be honest, I did that so I could hone my TV skills. That's all I was doing it for. No, see, I, I, know, see I, I see. I see, I I see a
1: reality it. television show for yourself. That's what I see. I see you on HGTV or one of those places or something like that. So, cause you have a look that's different and you have a, you have a gimmick as a former professional wrestler. I know you have a gimmick. You yeah. have the gimmick. Yeah. you Never do any pro wrestling. Did you ever do pro wrestling? I didn't. I could have. You could have, you still can. Cause those guys. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so best place we can go right now. Where can we go man? to find a phone you to find me
5: right now uh, around the house show is the podcast out there. So if you cruise out there and search on any podcast player around the house show, you'll find my show right there. And around the house online is our website.
1: Awesome. And speaking of clubhouse, I've only had one in-person clubhouse interview. He came to my office and that was the only other time from someone that in person in clubhouse. So go figure on these things with interviewing. And that's Michael Giuliano and a shout nice. out to him because I think he's about to do a podcast. He just reached out to me on LinkedIn. Go figure. It's all about networking. It's all about, your, it, again, uh, what they said, your your followers were your currency. And at 5.7,000, I ended up on Clubhouse and still at 5.7, <laughs> <when> my followers <laughs> were my currency. And hopefully I'll have all 5.7,000 followers on my show. So I appreciate you, man. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, brother. All right, you're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to The Neil Haley Show, and, you know, I, I love this kind of a conversation because I want to fly. I, can- I believe I can fly. And I'm not going <laughs> to sing, I can believe I can touch the sky. Well, this guy will make me do it. <laughs> Six foot ten, when I used to be able to dunk, I could fly, but not fly enough. That's why I'm not sitting here as an NBA legend. I'm sitting here as a former college basketball player, pro wrestler, and now entertainer. But my guest today... Paul Rubin, the fly guy, is going to teach me how he got involved in this and stuff. Paul, thanks for stopping by. How are you? Uh, my pleasure. I'm doing
0: great. Thanks for having me. Uh, so tell me how this, ha- how this start? Come on now, dude. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm it, 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 it actually goes way back when I, I started when I was like eight or nine and my my aunt bought me a magic kit. You know, those little cheap magic kits with the top hat and the fake rabbit and all that stuff and you're doing all the magic. Well, I, because of that, I became a magician. And I was doing magic professionally when I was 11 or 12. And uh, I really enjoyed performing. So I wound up taking theater in, in high school and then and, and again, again in college. And while I was in college, a friend of mine was the secretary for a company that specialized in flying people. I had no idea that even existed. That, that, that's all they did. All, we fly people. And it's, and it's not an airplane. It's, it's actually stage flying. Um, and they were looking for a young college kid that they can, you know, uh, that can fix equipment when it came back broken and, you know, clean up the shop. But when I met with the owner, he was really impressed with my theatrical background, the fact that I was a magician and an actor. And he thought, you know, you're better suited to choreograph these flying sequences and do this on the road instead of cleaning up the shop. Would that something that would interest you? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah. Um, so I started doing that and, um. And I became his his protege, and this is the guy that actually taught Mary Martin how to fly as Peter Pan and Sally Field how to fly as the Flying Nun. Oh my! So gosh. I'm like, so yeah. So and, and I worked. I was his protege for for eight years, and then uh, during that time, I realized I don't really want to do anything else. This 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 is my love. I I okay. I don't want to act. I don't I I like magic, but to me the illusion of flight on stage is, is, is giving me the biggest thrill.
1: Right.
0: So I've been doing it for over 30 years now. So have you just stuck with the on
1: stage or you've done in other places as well?
0: Oh, no, I do. I do stage. I do uh, TV film, and I even do outdoor arenas. arenas. Okay. You heard about what
1: happened to Owen Hart back in the day. If you're a fly person, you understand. I, I, I sure so, did.
0: That yes. was so, uh, I, yeah. I, I, not only, I was actually on tour with Peter Pan and we were playing Broadway at the time. And the today show contacted our press people and asked me to go on as an expert witness and to discuss it. And I'm like, no, I, there's no way. I I, I don't want to even be associated with this. Um, and I, I don't know if you know how it happened or, or what the whole issue was. I remember. But-
1: so, so there was something that was not protected, right. Or something. one
0: was really nervous to get up there too. He, right. he was, he was, but, but the, the rigger that did the equipment was supply the equipment used a, a piece of rigging that can be released under tension. And while he was 70 feet in the air, he was moving around and his Cape got caught in, in the, in the clip and it released it. And, and that was it.
1: Oh my gosh. It was just somebody that did not rig it. Right.
0: Got it. Oh, exactly. Little, you know because
1: sting in wwf and wwe and wcw use the the rig and then you brought a lot of musicians too do the
0: fly oh yeah oh i've i've flown everyone from kevin james and, and kevin can wait to uh uh kathy rigby and peter pan and I, I currently have wicked on broadway right now and uh a production of little mermaid in japan that's been running for for nine years and they're they're going as safe as possible. So
1: this is almost like a production company, right? You're the production person that comes up and you have a team to do all these different things. You're the creative side.
0: Correct. I, I do, I do all the choreography of it. I choreograph all of the actors and then I either design the equipment or I find out, I find a vendor that has the equipment that, that does what I need it to do. And then I, I sub that equipment out and then we rent it the, the production company rents it, and then I use it to choreograph.
1: Where do you want to see your company go? Is there any larger you can go with all the different things you've expanded on? Um,
0: well, I, I am currently
1: worldwide.
0: Uh, I've been in 30, 37 or 38 different countries, six of the seven continents. Nobody is doing anything in Antarctica, so I've got to wait for that. Um, but it, it's coming out of the pandemic really hurt. I mean, it, it, it hurt live entertainment. So we're trying to try to bounce back and and our schedule is really filling up. Our our fall and, and spring of next year is, is is looking real good. That's fantastic.
1: And so so the pandemic hurt you for sure because live entertainment disappeared. Well, Broadway
0: but, shut down for 18 months. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't was,
1: believe that. And it's not so it's back now. That's great. As you said, you quicker.
0: Yeah, yeah, full full theater, full theaters now. Full theater, full theater, full audience. Wow. It's great. Uh, that's uh,
1: that's great that finally because I remember interviewing some people for Broadway so that it's just tremendous what you are able to do so what 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 are you now what's on your wish list now like or bucket list because if you accomplished so much in this business is there something else you want to accomplish is there a chance to get an Academy Award for flying or something? Um, or-
0: there's there's not an Academy Award however there is a the Broadway Hall of Fame you know or or a, an honorary Tony Award um things like that but i mean i don't even look at that it's it, to me it, it since there's no cash
3: with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
0: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i
2: pronounce you lucky